Hello everybody, and welcome to a special Alt-Ginger version of Playing With Myself on the Internet featuring Troy. What is going on here? Hi folks, thank you so much for joining me. I am very, very excited uh, to be a part of this little solo series that Rainy has started. I'm hoping it blossoms into something bigger, uh, including many of us at the DMs After Dark team. The game that I will be playing today is called Mindcrawler, and it is a journaling tabletop RPG by Graham Trudeau. Man, when Rainy first told me about this game, and when we were talking about it as a group, I knew immediately that I wanted to play this. The premise of the game, in short, is you are playing through a dungeon consisting of different rooms, and that dungeon in those rooms are the inner workings of your mind. Yowzers, that is a lot to unpack, but on the same token, looking at that, I just think it has so much opportunity to be a useful tool. For me personally, I know we've talked about this with some of the other members of the DMs After Dark crew as well, playing tabletop role-playing games is very cathartic for us. I'll speak just for myself personally, but it's almost a healthy stress relief. It allows you to play through situations and kind of analyze things and practice introspection and explore things that in real life you otherwise wouldn't be able to. And it allows you to do all of those things while flexing your creative muscles and working on improvisational skills and also a lot of times, you know, spending time with friends, which is also a wonderful form of stress relief. So to get into the game a little bit here, again, the game is called Minecrawler. And I do want to caveat this a little bit. The game itself is a five-page, just quick synopsis. The system that it uses, you will need a deck of cards and uh, four to ten six-sided dice. There also is a little important introductory note here. It says, Minecrawler intends to provide an indirect way to process personal issues. It's an informal and imperfect tool for reframing problems not a replacement for real support. This is an important thing to note, obviously. I'm sure that the game creator put this in here intentionally as kind of a CYA, but realistically, when you're talking about the inner workings of someone's mind and of their psyche, it can, it can be a scary place, you know, dealing with things like depression or anxiety or other mental health issues can be really, really challenging. And although I think this game is a great tool to use as a form of introspection, even the creator points out it's important to note that it is not a replacement for actual help. So things like therapy or medications or other you know treatment plans, professional help is absolutely available for those folks that are struggling with these things. So yeah, we'll kind of leave it at that there. All right, well, we will get into the initial kind of setting up the internal dungeon. The five-page format here is laid out very simply, very user-friendly. It starts off with roll or pick a problem that you want to overcome and write it down. So they list six options here. They have anxiety, depression, compulsion, addiction, poor focus, or other. And then you will subsequently roll or pick a goal and write it down. 
So they list another six, self-advocacy, positive outlook, exercising restraint or control, energy initiative, attentiveness, or other. For this particular session that I will be playing through, I did kind of pick my own problems that were not listed on this list. I chose overcoming avoidance, which was the problem, through mindfulness, which was the goal. It's something that personally I've, you know, uh, recognized that I struggle with. I've always, since a very young age, had the tendency to overload myself, you know, have too many irons in the fire, so to speak. And in a lot of ways, it's been a useful tool in my life. And I think it's kind of one of the positive things that I have going for me. But on the same token, it, it can be overwhelming as well. So it's important to be honest when reflecting with yourself and practicing that mindfulness and that introspection. And I'm hoping to uh, be able to do that in a way that's a little bit fun and that I can share with the viewers. So I hope you guys end up getting something out of it. So again, you'll, you'll roll or pick a problem, and then you'll roll or pick a goal and write it down. And I think the writing it down part is very important, not only so you can reference it later if you get sidetracked and you need to refocus, but I mean, writing down your thoughts, your feelings, journaling, right? It's a journaling tabletop role-playing game. Journaling is a very, very powerful tool to practice mindfulness and also to improve, you know, it's a healthy form of stress relief. A lot of times just writing your feelings down can help you better understand and process them, which is, in my opinion, a very noble goal. So next part, we're already on page three of this five page RPG, is roll or pick problem descriptors. I very much liked this, again, not only because writing things down helps kind of solidify them and help you if you're running off, you know, off track, but it really does allow you to, in a couple of phrases, address some of the things that you're struggling with. So I'll give you an example. It lists some different adjectives like moist, incessant, unforgiving, those kind of things. Nouns, it lists off six as well. Verbs, it lists another six. Skittering, smothering, corrupting. I mean, those are all fantastic verbs right there. So for my playthrough, I went ahead and I picked two adjectives. I picked unforgiving and incessant. My nouns that I picked were void and dark. And the verbs that I picked were buzzing and concealing. So we will see as we play through this dungeon how those those words can kind of come up and help us stay on track, but also remind us of the goal at hand, which as I mentioned before, is overcoming avoidance through mindfulness. Alrighty. Starting play. Once you've got your goal, your descriptors written down, and your problem, you're ready to begin. The next thing that you're going to do is you're going to begin play, and it wants you to kind of set up a scenario where you can fall into yourself, fall into your mind. Once you're able to do that, you're going to get into the meat and potatoes of the mechanics of Mind Crawl, which as I mentioned before, very straightforward, deck of cards and some six-sided dice. The first thing that you're going to do is you're going to generate rooms, and it's important that you describe them as you enter. You can be as descriptive or as nondescript as you want. That's entirely up to you and your playthrough experience that you're looking for. So you'll go ahead and start by generating rooms by flipping cards. In the scenario, it says that the suit of cards that you flip will have a determining factor on what type of room you generate. So, for example, hearts 
would indicate that the room is a buzzing neon, maybe a metropolitan grime, chained potential, those kind of things. Clubs might represent unshaped woods, hungry earth, towering ore, and it goes and it lists in detail each of the suits that they represent. I'm not going to give too much of this away. Obviously, I would love for you to go out and buy this game for yourself. It's a fantastic game, and I encourage all of you to experience it. So I don't want to give too much away, and we'll go through this a little bit more during the actual playthrough. The next thing, once you generate the room type, the card value will also determine an additional aspect of that room. So ace through four essentially means the room is easier to navigate. It might mean it's smaller, less complex. Five through nine is going to be mid-size difficulty or complexity. And 10 through king is going to either be, you know, an enormous room that is complex or maybe one that's constantly changing, right? The walls and the ceilings are shifting and there's, you know, a display of scintillating colors or something like that. Whatever it is that you want to come up with, obviously be creative. Once you've determined your room, you'll generate the problem in the room. So you're going to flip another card for this. Once you do that, again, the suit of the card will determine the type of problem. Hearts indicates it's an active problem, a singular monster. Diamonds is also an active problem, a swarm of small critters. Clubs is a passive problem, hostile terrain or weather, and spades is also a passive problem. Think dream logic or experiential. Again, the card value is going to determine the severity of that problem. So ace through three, small, subtle problem, easy to overcome. You don't even need to roll a dice and succeed in order to leave the room. There's no success roll required. However, leaving the room without succeeding in a roll could cause the problem to flourish or fester, which might come up in subsequent rooms later on in the dungeon. Four to seven is, you know, mid middle problem. This one does require a successful roll to progress through the room. 8 to 10, bigger problem, requires a roll, successful roll to progress through the room. And then lastly, jack through king. This is the biggest problem that you could possibly encounter. It is all-encompassing within the room that you are in, and it requires two successful rolls in order to progress to the next room. How to resolve rooms and actions within rooms. So, as I mentioned before, in order to get out of these rooms or solve the problems therein, you have to get a successful roll. So Mindcrawler uses basic six-sided dice to see if you're able to successfully deal with a problem. All you need is a single six in order to succeed at whatever it is you're trying to do, including leaving the room. Unless, as I mentioned before, it's more complex room, might require two successes. But Whenever you try to accomplish an action, you will roll your pool of d6s, which starts as one. If you succeed, then you succeed the action. If you get a six on that roll, you succeed, you can exit the room, enter the next room. Or you succeed at the action you were trying to accomplish, and you continue on. If, however, you fail, you then add another d6 to your pool of d6s for the remainder of the game, and you have to describe how you failed. So perhaps you took the wrong approach to solving a problem. Maybe it's something as simple as within the room, you know, an improvised weapon you used failed on you, or you tried to run when you should have hid, or something like that. You can again come up with that as, it, as you play through. The game does mention because of this mechanic, once you have about five dice in your pool, success is fairly guaranteed. Not always, but 
by this point, after you have about five or six dice in your pool, the only rooms that would really pose any significant challenge would be the hardest of those rooms. So the Jack, Queen, King, those rooms would still potentially pose a challenge because you need two successes. But because of this, the game has a pretty pretty self-explanatory flow, right? It's not really possible to play this game for hours and hours and hours. I suppose you could, depending on how descriptive you want to be with the rooms, and also depending on the problem that you're addressing. But it has a good flow that creates a natural kind of sort of sense of finality. So yeah, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started with our example of Mind Crawl. I find myself here once again, lying in my bed, trying to sleep. I am chasing after it, but it eludes me, as it has so many times before. I hear the buzzing of some form of electrical, radio, something to that effect. I don't know if the noise is in my mind or not. I'm just so used to hearing it all the time, it's tough to differentiate anymore. But it's dark in the room. I reflect on all of the things that happened that day before I close my eyes, take a deep breath in, and exhale. This is where we will go ahead and flip our first card to determine the first room, its layout. Alrighty, here we go. The first card we flip is a four of hearts. So we will refer to the room generator and see what we have. Hearts indicates that the room is a buzzing neon, metropolitan grime, industry incarnate, or chained potential are the examples that it lists. Again, you can deviate from these if you'd like, according to your story, it's yours to tell. But these just kind of give you an idea of the type of theme. I do very much like chained potential. And I think I have something that might work well with that. So we'll go ahead and use Chained Potential as the room type. And then because I drew a 4, we'll go down to determine the additional aspect of the room. A 1 through 4 indicates that the room is big, but easily discernible in layout. Or it's quickly moved through, but it's cramped. Next, we have to generate the problem in the room. So we will flip another card for this. This will be the second card we are flipping. We are going to flip, and we have a five of spades. So again, the suit is going to determine something. Spades is a passive problem, and it is going to be dream logic or experimental in origin. The five is going to indicate kind of the severity of the problem. So medium severity, it says the influence is notable, it has slightly corroded or warped the room in some way. It may not be actively hostile. It requires a successful role to progress. So this room is going to be represent chained potential. It is a fairly large room, but it's got an easy enough layout, or it's cramped and moved through quickly. And the problem in the room, it's a passive problem, and it's dream logic oriented or experimental. The influence is notable, and I will need a 6 in order to get out of this. So, here we go. Suddenly, I'm jarred awake. I feel as if I'm underwater. I quickly look around and 
there's this strange pinkish hue to everything. I feel both lighter and heavier at the same time. I don't, it's difficult to describe, but I just look outward in all directions and there's nothing but this pink hue. I don't understand. I stand up and I start to move forward. My foot kicks something. It startles me for a moment, and I look down, and I see that there is a bucket full of ink? Maybe paint? I'm not sure. I make note of it and continue moving forward until I get to what looks like the perimeter of this strange space that I'm in. I go to touch the barrier. I put my hand against this strange membrane. It feels wet, and again, it's buzzing, it's humming. I touch it, and it ripples. I push on it harder, and it gives just ever so slightly, but I'm not able to get through it. I kind of scratch my head at a loss. I don't know how I got here or what is going on. I take a deep breath in, and I again steady myself, look around. I close my eyes for a minute. I focus on that buzzing that I hear. Take a deep breath in. And exhale. I open my eyes. Damn it! God damn it. There's still a pink hue everywhere. I was really hoping that would work. I've been working on that. Fuck. Well... I'm here. I don't know where here is, but I'm stuck. Uh, let me try something. I go and I pick up the bucket of paint on the floor. I take it, I spin it around several times like it's a hammer, and I throw it at the membranous wall as hard as I can. The paint collides with the wall and it spreads out on the membrane. It starts to slowly cascade down and drip. The bucket falls back on the inside of this barrier. Frustration ensues. The paint is there. It's dripping down the wall. It hasn't a care in the world. It's just there. Fuck. I start pacing. At this point, I'm frustrated. I start kind of pulling at my hair. And clunk, I kick something on the floor. Again. What is going on? I get down on my hands and knees to see if the floor is somehow pushing objects up through it, but unfortunately I'm not able to tell. Again, it's another bucket of paint. This time, though, it's not blue. This paint is crimson in color. It's red. It's very vibrant. Maybe it's my frustrated state, but it makes me angrier. What the fuck am I supposed to do with this paint? I take the paint, and I walk over to this barrier yet again, and I try throwing a little bit of red next to the blue, try mixing a little bit of blue that's left in the can with the red, and I try splashing that on the wall as well. I'm staring at blue, red, and purple paint, and I feel like an idiot. What is this membrane concealing? What secrets is it keeping from me? I need to get out of here. I again try to push my hand through the membrane, this time with more force. I am determined to get out of this cage, this prison. I push through, 
try to press with my knuckles. I feel the muscles tighten in my back and in my chest and shoulders. I start driving into the ground with my legs, and I exert all of the effort that I can muster. The membranous wall stretches ever so slightly. (sighs) To no avail. How am I ever going to get out of here? I think this is where we will go ahead and attempt our first roll to see if we can get out of this membranous prison. Um, Again, we have a single d6 right now in our pool, so we're not working with a lot. Chances of me getting a 6 are not great, um, but even if I fail, maybe I can learn something. Um, So as I mentioned before, trying to brute force my way through the wall, tried to throw some stuff on it, and neither of those things worked. Let's go ahead and roll our d6. And it is a two, so that is not successful. So after trying to brute force my way through the wall, trying to throw some paint on it, I realize this is not working. Um, I do have another d6 added to my pool, though. So I head back a few feet away from the the kind of membranous wall that I was at that's covered in paint now. And I'm looking, again, all throughout the surroundings of this room. It's kind of spherical in nature. Um... But for whatever reason, I'm, eas- I'm able to navigate through any portion of it. I can walk up the walls. I can walk on the ceiling. It's very disorienting. I look around, and sure enough, on the floor, there are some more buckets of paint. Um, this time, they're different colors. Um, there's a green, and there's a yellow there as well. I'm thinking to myself, what do all of these colors mean? What does this paint mean, and how does it get me out of this room? There has to be a way. There must be some sort of connection or correlation, even if I can't make it right now. I go over to the wall, and again, I try to throw a couple more colors on it. I try to throw the yellow on there. I try to throw the um, green on there, this time in a different location on the wall. I'm going to go ahead and make another roll to see if I can get out of the room. Now I have two dice. I got a four and a three, so unfortunately no success again. At this point, I notice that the bubble um, that I'm walking around in, it starts to get a little bit smaller. Um, It happened very subtly at first, but it's kind of shrinking now, and um, it's moving at a steady pace. For the first time since I've been in this room, I'm no longer just frustrated, I'm afraid. Now I feel like I have to get out of this room. There must be a way. I head over and there's a couple more buckets of paint on the floor. Now there's silver and there's purple as well. I grab up all of the buckets of paint that I can possibly find. I start banging them against the wall. I start throwing more colors everywhere. There's paint getting everywhere, all over the place. It's not only on the walls and on the ceilings and on the floor. It's creating a slick environment. Now I can't see past the purple or I'm sorry, I can't see past the pink um, hue. It's all covered in these beautiful opaque colors, these colors that are going to be my tomb if I can't figure out a way to get out of here. We're going to go ahead and roll one more time here in this room and see if I can actually get out. I've got three dice. This time I rolled a one, a four, and a six. So I do have a success. How are we going to spin this where it makes sense? I think what we're going to do 
is in this moment of frenzy as this room is closing in around me and I'm getting afraid, I'm fearful, will this membrane suffocate me? Will it be my tomb? I start throwing this paint in this wild frenzy and not only is it getting on the walls and on the floor and ceiling, but it's also getting on me. And before I realize it, my hand is covered in this like red and purple paint and I go to kind of backhand this pail through the wall and I notice that my hand for the first time since I've been here it passes through the wall, unimpeded. And I kind of pull my hand back quickly towards me, shocked at what's going on. And I drop the bucket for a second. And I take my hand again, and I put my hand to that membrane. And now my hand covered in this paint, in this purple and in this red paint, passes through the membrane. And I think to myself, oh my god, I think I just found it. I take my other hand and I go to press it against the wall. No paint on this hand, and the wall doesn't give. Is it the paint that's been special this whole time? Why didn't the paint go through the wall? This isn't making sense to me. But I think I have a clear vision now of what to do. As this membrane starts to shrink and enclose, it's maybe 20 feet in diameter now, it keeps getting smaller. I take the paint and I frantically douse it on myself. I pour these buckets of paint on my head. They stream down my hair. They go run across my eyes and on my lips and my mouth. The paint runs down my chest and my torso. It saturates my clothing. I cover every inch of my body in this slick paint, concealing myself. And with one last ditch effort, I move towards the wall, slowly, afraid, and unsure. And as I get to that precipice, my body passes through it, wholly and completely. Before me is no longer a pink hue, and what I see instead is, and we will go ahead and flip for another room. Let's see what this card is. The first card that we flip is a Queen of Spades. That's probably not good. So we're going to go back to the room generator here. And again, uh, we'll check the type of room first, which is indicated by the suit, which is a spade. So spades represents chintinous sands, seething shafts, unprobed depths, or trembling stone. Hmm. I love how they combine that adjective with the, with the, um, you know, the noun. It's not just depths, it's unprobed depths, or it's trembling stone. I think that that's awesome. It's a very descriptive game if you haven't been able to tell so far, which is right up my alley. So so we have that for the type of room, and a queen is going to represent that the room is enormous and complex, or it's mid-sized but constantly shifting. All right, so let's think about kind of what we've got there, and we are going to go ahead and flip the next card, and the next card is going to be the problem in the room. So we're going to flip that, and we have a ten of clubs. So here we go. So clubs in this one represents a passive threat, and it is represented by hostile terrain or weather. Okay? And a ten is the influence is significant. It has stripped the room of any niceties and is actively hostile, requires a successful role to progress. So we have a large room here. I like the idea of the sands, the chintana sands. So I think what we're going to do is this is going to be kind of a desert. 
And it's both massive and complex, like dunes of a desert, which are also always shifting and blowing with the wind. I like that. I like that. We're going to go with that. And the problem is hostile terrain or weather. Passive problem obviously makes sense. We're in a desert. This is a very foreboding and inhospitable environment. We are going to have to figure out how the heck to get out of this situation. So we will go ahead and see what we've got. I look down at my skin and it's no longer covered in that paint. There's not this pink hue that clouds my judgment. In fact, when I look down at my skin, the first thing that I notice is it's actually really warm. It kind of burns. I look up above me and in the sky is a sun and it is so bright. It is blinding. All around me, I take in my surroundings. It smells of sand. It smells of that dry, arid heat. I look around and I'm on top of a large sand dune and in all directions, all I see around me are just these waving dunes, the sand that is whipping about, harsh, moving, timeless, just imposing. And here I am. Around me is nothing. There's no trees or shelter or reprieve. My pale ass is not going to last long in this environment. I need to find some way to get out of here. I look around and I try to see if I can maybe start making my way to a lower, lower ground. My thoughts are initially hot air rises, so maybe it's going to be hotter on top of the dunes than it will be below. Hoping that this wind creates some sort of cooling convection tunnels, something to that effect. And if I get lucky enough, maybe I can get behind a dune that's large enough that'll offer me some shade. So that's my first rational thought in this room. I start climbing down the dunes. And I'm walking for a long, long time. My skin is really, really warm. It's starting to, it's starting to turn that reddish pink color that every ginger knows is bad. It's inescapable. I'm going to have a pretty terrible sunburn here. I continue walking. I'm walking for so long. My skin is, it's drying. It's, I'm, my pulse has quickened. I'm feeling so exhausted. This heat is just bearing down on me. I look up in the sky and the sun hasn't moved at all. It's still directly overhead. And no matter how I try to navigate through these sand dunes, I'm not able to leverage an angle to find a shred of shade, a shred of reprieve. I'm wandering aimlessly. I need to find a way out of here. I close my eyes. I take a moment to inhale and exhale. I repeat this several times and I practice this thing that I heard of once upon a time. I always called it active meditation, but later I came to find it's called grounding. And it's something that you do when you're feeling disassociated from yourself or when you're feeling overwhelmed. I focus intensely on every sense that I can perceive. I feel that heat beating down on my skin, the discomfort of it. I accept it for the moment because I know I can't change it in a second. I bend down low and I feel the hot sand through my fingers. I feel the grains, how fine they are. I imagine that every single grain here is unique in its shape and its structure, even though to my eyes I can't tell the difference. 
trillions and trillions, uncounted numbers of sands surround me. I feel that wind, that soft wind. It's much lower now. It's not whipping powerfully. It's barely blowing the sands around me. I take another deep breath in and breathe out slowly. I open my eyes. And all of a sudden, these large imposing dunes, they don't seem so large anymore. They seem more distant. I feel as if my body has traveled to another place without me willing it. I look around, and I think I see perhaps trees, a garden, something green. God, I hope it's not a trick of my imagination. I hope this is something that can give me some reprieve. I go ahead and without any other real options available, I start making my way towards this image that I see in the distance. I get closer and closer and closer, and it comes into view. And before I know it, I step out of this desert and into this oasis. Around me, there are these beautiful trees. There are plants, there are hydrangeas, there are these beautiful wildflowers, and there's water, there's water around. I hear the buzzing of bees around me. I hear birds and their wings fluttering about. Everything in this place seems completely untouched by the really incredibly harsh landscape around. Even the sun seems less daunting here in this place. And as I go to take everything in, I recognize for a moment that I'm looking at the scene from above. I see my body down below. I see it. It's sitting down. It's sitting down among the wild flowers. But for whatever reason, I feel removed from it. My body is there, but I'm not experiencing this. My skin still feels burned. It doesn't feel the soothing water flowing over it like I see below me. I'm so confused. I don't know what's going on here. I'm going to try to make a roll to see if I can escape from this room. From before, I have three successes. So we will go... I'm sorry, I have... Uh, I have one success and two subsequent failures, so my total dice pool right now is three. I'm going to see if I can roll a six and get out of here. My roll is a one, a three, and a six. Hmm. Alright, I know what we're going to do. I spend the time up above looking at my body, and it plays out, and all of a sudden time becomes fluid, but fluid like a rapid river. It becomes turbulent, and it starts moving so quickly. I try to call out, make some noise, get the attention of myself down below, but I'm unable to. And all of a sudden, days start to go by. The sun rises and sets. The birds, they, they fly into the oasis and they leave. The bees, they buzz around the flowers until all of a sudden the water that is below starts to dry. And once the water disappears... So too does the green flowers, so too does the bees and the birds, and any semblance of reprieve that could be found in this harsh and desolate wasteland. I look down again, and without even realizing it, I see where I once was. It's nothing but a skeleton. I close my eyes, and I imagine myself moving closer to it. I move forward towards the skeleton. And in the skeleton's hand, I see a shriveled piece of paper. 
reluctantly knowing that this is my body that lies below. I reach down and I grab the piece of paper, hoping that it will lend me some sort of way out of this desert before I too become this person here lying before me, before this version of myself becomes the one I see before me. I unfurl the paper that is dried, written in ink on this paper, faded from a long, long time ago. I can just manage to make out the words, and so I read them, and I read them aloud. From meridian to six feet below, it hurts me to promise the radiance of the morrow sun. The frustration I feel is unrelenting. I feel like the blister on the heel of a man that walks without purpose, searching unceasingly for an answer that rationale and reason cannot find. Bloody and ripe I feel on the brink of explosion. I want to walk through a garden smelling the sweet succulents, feeling the drumming of hummingbirds' wings upon my face, the droning of bulbous bumblebees bounding from one flower to the next fills my ears and my soul. In the garden, I find the soft and calming bubbling of the bird fountain, promising a moment of respite from the sun in its scorching ultraviolet rays. I dream about the drops of cool water on my face. It seems an impossibility. I think for a long, long while, while my toes feel the soft earth beneath me digging like roots into the soil, a deeper connection I yearn for, but it always seems perhaps one layer deeper. How far can I dig in search of this reprieve? The sun sets, and I am left amid the fireflies. But still I dig, in the quiet night, the sun's scorching ultraviolet rays are gone now, for even they have left to seek reprieve and to give way to the rising moon. Now I bask in its ghastly glory, wondering if my skin will likewise be burned in this hour of twilight. My hands feel the earth. They tear asunder the roots of the very hydrangeas that brought me solace from the sun just hours ago. But the past matters not. I am here in this moment, rife with strife and turmoil within the soil around me, and the worms writhing. As I dig deeper, I feel the earth more deeply. It is cooler and also more comforting, like the hug from a friend deeply missed, or opportunity that might have been. Around my torso it becomes tight. The once loose soil expands with each breath and compresses as my lungs collapse, perhaps never to expand again. Surely never to let me gasp for air but once more. Amidst this ravaged garden I lay, crying out in my pain, unable to move or breathe, and for some unknown reason, beckoning to the cold and indifferent moon above me. My visage shows streaks of sorrow, warm and salty, descending the dirty mask that covers my face. A very real, ironic depiction 
of the salt that I have sown into the earth itself, leaving behind a barren land where naught but nightmares and burdens will bloom. I hope and beg for the morrow to bring its rays of light. Dry the earth I beckon to make the soil less dense, less confining, so I may stretch up my broken and festering hands to penetrate the dew-filled barricade between what once was and what could be. As I finish the letter, it too turns to sand, just like the sand around me in all directions. I look down at the skeleton just beneath me. I reach down and I go to touch its face, imagining that the face that it had once was the same that I have. I close my eyes and I wish to be gone from this place. I take a deep breath in and exhale. We will go ahead and we will begin search for another room. So the next card we will draw is going to be the room. As mentioned before, we have a nine of diamonds. So we'll refer back to the room generator here. The nine of diamonds is a crystal cavern, noble stores, untouchable wealth, or lonely stars. Hmm. Crystal cavern sounds very interesting. Maybe we'll go with that. Let's see. The nine indicates that the room is mid-sized. It could contain other people. It could be an indeterminate size and or it could be hard to navigate. So pretty complex room we're working with here. All right. I like the crystal cavern. We're going to go with that. That was one of the recommended um, descriptors in the mind crawl game. So we have a crystal cavern that is mid-sized and fairly complex to navigate. Let's see what we have for the problem in the room. Ah, shit. So I flipped a king of hearts, which as we remember, typically the larger the card, the bigger the problem. So we're going to look at the problem in the room. Hearts indicates an active problem. So this is going to be the first active problem we faced, and it is a monster or singular beast. All right. The king. The influence is all there is. Its mere presence erodes its surroundings requires two successful rolls to progress out of this room. Okay, so we are in some sort of crystal cavern, and it is fairly large and complex to navigate, and in this crystal cavern, there is some sort of beast or monster, and it is all-consuming. The very room is contaminated and vile with the presence of this thing, and it's going to be very difficult for me to get out of this room. I need to roll two successes, and right now I only have three dice. So this could be rough. Let's see what we've got. Before I even open my eyes, the first thing I notice is that my skin is cool now. I don't remember the last time it wasn't blistering. Well, that's good at least, I think to myself. The air feels damp here and there is no wind. I very, very slowly and reluctantly crack open my eyes just a little. Around me, I recognize that there is no sunlight, but rather there are these large crystals all around me. It appears I'm in some sort of subterranean cave, 
the crystals are radiating this light. Um, and yet, on the inside of the crystals at the center, similar to a diamond, how you can see that black spot, that impurity, the crystals too have this as well. And it's almost like in the center is just this dark void of these crystals. The crystals, they appear solid. I, I walk around, I take a few steps. The earth seems very firm. Hmm. Well, I guess I'll continue to walk around in this room and see what I can find. I look down at myself and I realize I'm wearing some sort of armor. It's a hard leather armor. I don't know where it came from, but hey, I'll take it. I don't know what's down here. Perhaps it could provide some semblance of protection. I hear a chittering off in the distance. Maybe it was actually just a fleeting imagination of my mind. I, I don't, I'm not sure because as soon as I recognize it, it's gone. Hmm. I continue to walk forward. I walk for a long, long while around turns and bends, not sure if I'm ascending or descending from this subterranean cavern of crystals, but with nothing other to do, I continue to walk. And before long, I find a chest in front of me. It's almost as if it came out of nowhere. I didn't recognize it as I approached it. I didn't see it from across the cavern that I'm in right now, but sure enough, it's here. I bend down and I touch it and it's real. It's not just a creation of my mind. I open the chest and inside of the chest, there's this beautiful short sword. It's made of this really nice iron material. The hilt is solid. The blade is polished and it's definitely sharp. Again, this is incredible. I don't know why I might need this, but hell, I might not be the only thing down here. I pick up the short sword, and the moment that I do, a darkness moves quickly in my peripheral vision. I turn quickly to see what it is, and it's not there. It's gone. I take a moment and I scan the room around me very slowly. For the first time since I've been down here, I feel as if I'm no longer alone. In fact, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. My heart rate quickens. Sweat starts to accumulate on my brow. I can't help but feel as if I'm being watched. I look down at the sword and reassure myself that, hey, this thing looks sharp, and if anything wants to fuck with me, it's going to get what's coming. I readjust the straps on my armor, and I continue walking. I crawl through a small space to get into a larger cavern ahead of me, and when I do, I emerge from the cavern, and before me, I hear that chittering again. I look up towards the ceiling, and for the first time, my deepest fears are confirmed. I am in fact not alone. What I see above me defies reality. It's this large, scintillating mass of blackness. It's built like the crystals in the room around me, but it's incredibly slender and sharp. It looks both delicate and deadly at the same time. It's a strange figure that somewhat resembles that of like a large centipede, except its body is slender and its legs are long and razor sharp. 
It starts clattering along the ceiling, and it sees me. It knows that I'm there. I shriek out in terror, not knowing how to react, and the beast moves quickly and close towards me. I take cover and dive behind a large crystal. The beast lunges out and collides with it, its body bouncing off of the crystal. The loud buzzing now reverberates throughout the chasm that I'm in, in the chamber, and I quickly use this moment to react. I run as fast as I can back through that small confined space, hoping that this creature can't squeeze its body to follow me. As I do, I start crawling, crawling through the space, and I feel a sharp pain that's in my foot. Boom! Perhaps one of its legs or its claws, I don't know because I can't see it, has pierced through the bottom of my foot as I pull myself out of the other end of this hole. I let out a cry of pain. I look down at my foot, and sure enough, it appears to be injured. Oh my gosh. The creature is making a terrible noise on the other side of this small expanse. I'm glad that it seems like it can't escape, but now I have no idea where to go next. I turn around and I start running as fast as I can with my injured foot. Sure enough, it doesn't take me long at all before. I find another chest. It's on the floor. Again, I didn't notice it. I don't know where it came from, but I'm happy that it's here. Perhaps it'll offer me some sort of equipment or armor or something, maybe a map, something that I can use to get out of here. I bend down, I open the chest, and it is full of contents. It has a bow with these beautiful arrows, which I quickly throw over my back, thinking perhaps I can use this as a something that I can use to fend off this creature should I find it again. It has these large and sturdy boots that I'm able to slide over my injured foot. Somehow they provide me with comfort. The injury that I had before that was at the forefront of my mind, the pain seems to dull and subside a little bit. There's also a large shield in the chest as well. I grab the shield. It's heavy. It's very heavy. And I'm not used to wielding it. But I'm confident that if I need to, I'll learn. I'll make do. I'll adapt. And I'll use the shield to protect myself. I continue on down the cavern. This time, as I'm walking, I suddenly come to a, a drop-off. There's a cliff, and around me there are walls all throughout this cavern, again, in those beautiful, beautiful glowing and humming crystals. But the hair on the back of my neck stands up again. I quickly turn around, and there it is. Again, the beast, it found me. I don't know how it got here. It certainly couldn't have gone the way that I came. But this time the beast appears larger. It, it vibrates with this violent energy, and it lunges towards me. Quicker than I can react, I just instinctually hold up this shield, and it batters against it. I grab the sword and I start stabbing blindly in front of the shield as its claws wrap around it and try to stab at the bits of my flesh that are exposed. I hear it screech out in pain, perhaps I landed a blow, but it moves back quickly. I'm going to go ahead and roll some dice and see if I can fight this creature off. We've got three dice here. I need two successes. I get a two, a five, and a three. So that is not looking good for me. I stand there for a moment, exchanging blows with this beast. I, every now and then I think I might have scored a blow. It lets out a shriek, but I don't know if it's a cry of pain or anger. 
and the creature's fury is mounting. It appears to be unrelenting. Its attacks are incessant, and I'm becoming tired. This beast is just possessed of an infinite vitality, it seems. But I will not quit. I will not give up. If death finds me first, then so be it. But I know that I will not stop until there's no breath coming from me anymore. I steady myself. I grab whatever resolve I have that I can muster, and I charge forward at the beast. The beast quickly slides out of the way, and it inflicts a terrible blow upon me. It knocks me back with my armor and my sword and my shield and this gear that I have, and I slide off the edge of this cliff into the depths of this cavern. I fall, I fall, I fall. Bam. My body collides with the cold crystals below. Ugh. I let out a gasp of pain. I lay there for a moment, paralyzed. The wind knocked from my lungs. Oh, God damn that hurt. I get up and I somehow manage to pull my body up. It's hurt, there's no denying it. But I'm tough. And I have no other choice. Necessity, after all, is a powerful motivator. I have to keep going to see if I can get out of this cave. I wander along... This time I'm paying special attention to my surroundings. I'm not going to be caught off guard again by this otherworldly beast. When it sees me, I will be ready. I'm also paying special attention to the cavern to see if I can find any more of those chests. They've offered me helpful equipment so far. This time I find a hoard in another room. I was looking for it, and I found it. It didn't come out of nowhere this time. Before me, there is a, just a wealth of equipment. There is a beautiful helmet. There is armor that has metal plates on it that will surely provide me with better protection against this creature. There's gauntlets that lock into the hilt of this beautiful short sword. I find more arrows. I find potions. I don't even know what these could possibly do. I'm not going to stay here too long to find out. I do quickly search the room to see if I can find a map, and I don't find one. But what I do find is a torch. I'm going to hold the torch up in the hand that I'm using to hold my shield, and I'm going to continue down the hallway. I recognize that the light I bring may be a beacon to this creature out there, but it will also help to keep me alert. For whatever reason, the light makes me feel safer. I walk into the next room, and I step down on an unfamiliar portion of floor. This part's not glowing, it's just black like the, the inside of these crystals. And I think nothing of it, it appears solid, it doesn't give way. But before I know the grave mistake that I have made, it's too late. The ground beneath me begins shifting and moving, and this time I realize I found the creature first, but I wasn't aware. It moves quickly and I fall down beneath its massive body. This creature has grown tremendously in size. I don't know how I'm going to fight this thing, but I look at all of this incredible gear that I have and I look at the room around me. It has pillars everywhere that could provide some sort of refuge. 
there's smaller spaces that perhaps he can't squeeze into, I'm going to find a way to fight this thing off. I quickly stow my shield and I reach for my bow. I dive to the corners of the room that are small, hoping they can provide me with some semblance of safety, and I let those arrows fly. I'm going to again roll. This time I have four dice. I need two successes. We'll see what happens. Shit. I got one six, but unfortunately that is not enough because I drew a king of hearts, which means this creature is incredibly powerful. And in order for me to escape the room, I need two successes. I only got one. However, because I failed, I will add a fifth dice to my pool for the next time. My tactic seems to be working initially. I'm firing these arrows at the creature. The creature is largely unable to get to me. I have to shift and move to different portions of the room as it uses its large mass and strength to start breaking apart the barriers that protect me from it. However, it appears the arrows are fairly unaffected. This beast is incredibly slender and agile, and it's almost like its crystalline body just deflects these, these missiles. <sighs> I, I get frustrated and I realize that this tactic is not working. It lets out a otherworldly scream. The scream explodes into my mind. My mind is on fire. My ears are ringing. And the only thing that I can do is lie down in the fetal position, covering my ears, crying out loud, praying that this beast will leave me be. I stay there for just a moment and I realize that help is not coming. The only thing I have to rely on to get out of this situation right now is myself and this incredible equipment and this gear that I keep finding. I crawl my body into a crevice and I continue moving forward until those screams and those screeches slowly subside in the distance and I'm left again with nothing but silence. This time as I navigate further through the caves, I find more equipment and more gear and I find this beautiful maul, this giant hammer that appears to be incredibly balanced and powerful. I can feel it vibrating in my arms. Perhaps this is the bane that this creature will face. I, I don't know, but it's something. The arrows were largely ineffective. Maybe a hammer will be more effective at combating this beast. I find more potions. I find these beautiful greaves that cover my legs and will protect me from an attack below. I continue on. I'm carrying all of this gear. It's heavy, but it makes me feel safe. I look at myself. I get a moment where I catch some water, and I can see my reflection in this pool on the floor. And I smile, and I'm proud of everything that I have here with me. These beautiful weapons, this magnificent armor, this shield. Surely if I'm to encounter this creature again, it cannot prevail. Unfortunately, I don't have to wait too long before that dream becomes a reality. For out of the pool starts to emerge this creature, and it crawls from this space, and it gets larger and larger and larger. I grab this beautiful hammer that's on my back, and I see if I can possibly fend this creature off. I think I'm recognizing the way that it moves. I think I'm coming up with a pattern to its behavior and its attacks. Perhaps I can calculate it using deductive reasoning or rationale or logic and see if I can fend off this foe. I'm going to go ahead and roll now with five dice to see if I can get two successes. 
Again, I have a single six, so I do not have enough to combat this foe. I put up a great effort in this beast. It breaks my body. I mean, we fight back and forth. In fact, there's one point during the encounter where I think I might be winning. I crash into this beast with all of the weight and strength that I can muster. This rage, this anger, this anguish that I have built up inside collides with this beast. It just shatters two of its legs that it stands on, and they explode into a thousand fine particles of crystal that shine beautifully amid this horrific battle. But it's not too long before I am overcome by the beast. I continue fighting. I tell myself I will never, ever surrender. I cannot. I can't stop. Because if I do, then I die. And I won't die that way. If I'm going to die, it's going to be fighting with every ounce of energy I have. But the beast presses on. We continue fighting. Eventually, I'm exhausted. My body lays broken. The weapons that I have around me, I'm holding on to with every bit of strength I can muster. I'm stabbing at the beast as it encloses around me, concealing me from everything else that could possibly see me. From the beautiful glow of the crystals, I am hidden. I am completely encompassed by this darkness, and I am stabbing away, frantically trying to fight my way out. I'm gonna roll again here. I have six dice, let's see if I can get two successes. Alright, I've got two successes. I actually have three, but two is all I needed, so... I think as I'm stabbing away at this creature, I realize that this is a losing battle. I take a moment. I, I close my eyes, I inhale deeply, and I exhale. The creature is battering away at the shield that is protecting me from it right now. I am hunkered down between that and the wall. It can, it just can barely not reach me. In fact, I know that where I'm at right now is only going to be a reprieve for just a couple of moments. I take a minute and I think. How am I going to get away from this thing? Every time I encountered it, it seems bigger and more powerful. Even though I seem to be getting these boons, these incredible weapons and items and armor that should be helping me fend off this beast. Wait a minute. I think about it for a moment. The armor that's protected me has also encumbered me. The sword and the hammer that I've carried have tired my body out as I've walked along these never-ending cavernous halls of crystal. The arrows were ineffective. Sure, they hit the enemy, but they also told it my position. I don't think that this is the way I'm going to get out of here. The walls rumble around me as the creature continues to fight to get to my location. I think for a moment, this may be the only way out. It's a difficult pill for me to swallow. I can't help but feel like this strategy, this tactic that I'm about to implement, it seems very close to surrender, and that doesn't bode well with me. I begin stripping off the gear that I've carried. I start with the bow, I lay the hammer down by my side, one by one, I start unfastening the gauntlets on my hands. I take the boots off, and I start doffing the armor as well. Everything, until I am bare. There is nothing that I have. 
that sword, the first thing that I found as I entered this dungeon, is in my hand now. I look at it as the walls are crumbling around this beast as it's making its way through this, this area that I've somehow anchored myself in. And I look to it, and its eyes are angry and full of rage and unrelenting force. I look to the sword one more time before I toss it to the ground beside me. I move forward angry, bare, with nothing left. I grab the shield, I throw it aside, and I thrust myself towards the beast before I let out a scream, a cry of rage. Every bit of animal instinct within me is boiling over and I scream out in frustration at this beast. It stops moving. It's making that strange clicking, chittering sound now, and its body is rippling. It almost cocks its head as if curious, something that I would do, something that a human would do. But this beast isn't human. It's something very different. It moves very close to me now, and it takes every ounce of energy I have not to run. My legs are shaking. The muscles within them are trembling, partially from exhaustion, but also from sheer fear. The creature is very close now. Its face or maw, whatever it is that you could call this thing, is directly in front of me. No breath comes from it. I can hear the noises that it's making. They're invading my mind. I clench my fists and I close my eyes. The creature reaches up one of its strange arms, its strange claws, and I steal my very last nerve that I have. The claw gently touches the side of my face and I close my eyes. I feel warmth. It starts on my face and it radiates down through the rest of my body. I don't know what just happened, but I open my eyes again, and the beast is gone, as is all of the gear and the equipment that I had around me. This cavern now glows with a different light. It's soft. It's merciful. It's forgiving. In this place, I feel safe now. I feel like the hard stone walls around me are simply a product of the environment, but not a reflection of me, not a reflection of my heart. Certainly not what I deserve, cold, unforgiving stone. I close my eyes, and once more, I take a deep breath in, and exhale. Before I know it, my eyes open again, and this time I'm back in my room. I can see a little bit of sunlight coming through the blinds. I look over and I see my family beside me. They're sleeping peacefully and soundly. I get up, I check my phone, first thing I do every day it seems, and it looks like my alarm's going to go off in seven minutes. Well, at least I got some sleep last night. My body feels a little bit more rested than it was the night before. But I go into this new day with something more than just rest. I go into this new day with a revelation. A revelation that, 
all of these things that I have, whether they're objects, whether they're tangible, all of these activities that I find I do, whether it's creating art or helping others. In fact, even the cards that I'm using right now for this game, uh, they're from LifeServe, and the cards say on them, because they need me, I give. And looking at those cards, actually, I think it's kind of ironic. I always seem to find a way to put the needs of others before myself. It's a big part of who I am. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think being selfless and helpful are very good qualities to have. In my career as a firefighter and a paramedic, I always try to help others that are in need. And when I do that, when I help those that are in moments of crisis, I feel alive. I feel purpose. But I've come to find over the months and the years of this introspective journey of myself, of trying to develop mindfulness, that even these wonderful things done with the best of intentions can be examples of avoidance. It's easier for me to not process the things I'm feeling when I'm busy caring for others. When I'm occupying my time with things that may be mundane or things that may be so much more, I'm still occupied. And that's a form of avoidance. But I think after exploring the dungeons of my mind in this session, I hope that I... I think I have learned, maybe, another perspective to look at these things, and it's been a hell of a time. I've had a blast playing through this this adventure, Mind Crawl. I hope that you are all able to uh, enjoy this moment as well, and I hope that I can encourage others of you to look within yourself and ask yourself the difficult questions. Sometimes why? Just asking why is a great way to get the ball moving. Think about who you are and why you do the things that you do, and then always strive to be better, a better version of yourself, but remember that there's always room for mercy. There's always room for grace. No one is unbreakable. Give yourself some grace. Give yourself some mercy. I hope you guys have enjoyed very much this solo RPG rendition of Mindcrawler. I know I had a great experience with it, and I am very, very happy that I was able to play this. Big shout out to Rainy for introducing me to the game. Wonderful, wonderful work by Graham Trudeau in creating this game. Um, I think it's amazing. I am very excited to continue to use RPGs as a way to express myself and as a creative outlet for stress. It's, it's definitely a healthier stress relief than many other things that we do, so... Make sure you guys stay tuned. We are going to be continuing our adventures of RuneQuest with DMs After Dark. I look forward to more solo adventures in the future. I know Rainy is working on a whole bunch of stuff right now as well. And um, we are looking into even doing a collaborative kind of solo um, journaling RPG together with, I think, everybody from the group or most everybody from DMs After Dark. So... We will continue to release all of these wonderful RPGs for your viewing and listening pleasure. Make sure you check us out, give us a like, give us a follow, send us an email at dmsafterdark at gmail.com. We really, really look forward to hearing from you guys. You guys are a big reason why we do what we do. RPGs have had such an impact on my life and on the lives of everyone else in our group, 
and we just want to share this with everybody. And the more views that we get, the more shares that we get, the more people that we can expose to these incredible indie games that can hopefully have profound life-changing experiences because of them. Thank you all for your viewing. Until next time, stay mindful.